and welcome to another discussion of the Return of the King with the Last Alliance University of Alberta Talking Society. This week we discuss the nature of men and the final despair, or is it hope, of Gandalf and Aragorn. Enjoy! Okay, great. So we have a challenge, which was to write a hundred-word uh, narrative. Well, it didn't have to be narrative, I guess. Right? Whatever. Of, from of something from the chapters from a character in the chapters. So, who has a submission for us? Where's the palantir? In safekeeping. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, and we have Andrew, and we have Nick, and Taryn. Anyone else? Taryn. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, let's let's go from Nick and we'll go down this way. All right. <clears throat> the mouth of Sauron urged his black steed forward towards the black gate. The mouth smiled gleefully, thinking of the glory that would await him. Saruman was a fool, he thought to himself. After this day is through, Orthanc shall have a new master. Me. As he came clo- <clears throat> closer and closer to the black gate, he was approached by an orc, one who the mouth rem- remembered to be the captain of Kirithungo. What do you have to report? The orc held a shining male garment towards the mouth, and he realized that it was not simple male, it was Mithril. The mouth took it and then appraised the groveling orc. You were the one who let the halflings escape. The orc nodded nervously and attempted to explain himself. The mouth would have none of it. Waving his hand, he returned his gaze to the black gate as several orcs took the former captain the ambassador of Mordor could not remember his name, and proceeded to feast upon his flesh. <laughs> the victory of Mordor is assured. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Good. I think you can guess which character this is. Look. Anyway. Look, my lord. The rebels of the West have come to your doorstep. As you predicted, great one, they have stuck out their insolent noses too far. I see Isildur's heir leads them, and look at this rabble that follows him. Fools! Do they think a broken blade can stand against our might? Perhaps they have brought your treasure, too. How nice of them to bring it right to us. I will be sure to give them back their trinkets in repayment of their kindness. Yes, I think the wizard especially will be glad to see them. Pippin's heart beat like the thundering drums. The braying trumpets heralded deafness. But no, the specter that appeared in the gate spoke, and Pippin heard. The words were bravado, and despite his fear, Pippin's heart swelled with pride when the specter quailed before Aragorn's gaze and Gandalf's rebuke, until it brandished a sword, a brooch, a cloak, a shirt of mithril mail. The world reeled. He heard a distant scream that was his own. Someone shoved him, and he collapsed to his knees. As the terms of release washed past him, he clung to one stable point. Gandalf would never abandon Frodo. These we will take, Gandalf's words pierced the fog. But as for your terms, we reject them utterly. Darkness engulfed him. Hope was gone.
We got to start an Inklings club <laughs> next fall or over the summer or tomorrow. <laughs> or yesterday. After midterms. After midterms. Okay, great. So we did uh, the last debate and the black, black, the black gate, gate opens. But Rick, who won? Well, I, I have to think about it because they're all, again, so good. Everybody won. <laughs> and please don't forget and to all get prizes. <laughs> and don't forget to submit it to uh, the Last Alliance email so that we can put it in the journal. Yes, and um, whoever wins the volunteer today, we will take picture of it on the Facebook page. Right. And um, yeah, cool stuff. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So, uh, oh yes. So we're going to start with uh, the last debate and the black gate open. So we'll go around as we normally do, and everyone has a chance to say something that they liked or something that they would like to talk about from the chapter. And uh, we'll start. Does someone have? Okay, Kara, thank you, and we'll go clockwise. This is my very favorite part of the show. Beside the end, uh, when Pippin is about to pass out. Eagles are coming, eagles are coming, take but wait, that's from a totally different story into the Hobbit, which is just gay. <laughs> but I, just, I, I love that he's going to take to build a story, and he's like, he gets really disappointed when he thinks it's actually not happening to him. It is. That's all I have. I was too busy playing Mass Effect 3 and watching Doctor Who over the break, so I got nothing. <laughs> Um, I think I would like to talk about during the last debate when Gandalf lays out his advice for what they should do and he puts it in this framework of what the big picture is and what this conflict is amidst the larger history of Middle-earth. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just making notes. Uh, oh, boy. These are so good. Um, I, I, you know what? I, I, I wouldn't be able to pick one thing this time. It's all really, really good. I love it all. Okay. Um, my favorite part of these chapters was actually Gandalf's speech as well. Okay. Specifically, the part where he says, Denethor was right. Mm. We're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that hit me about this chapter is how big of a deal it is, or how big of a risk, I guess, it was that Frodo has the ring. Because right now they're staking like every like Gandalf and Aragorn and everyone staking their lives on the fact that Frodo needs to get through Mordor. That's like that's a pretty big risk. Hopefully, so. Um, there's one, one part I would like to discuss at the beginning of the last debate when we have Gimli and Legolas um, uh, discussing, I guess, the promise of men and whether they actually live up to <coughs> yes. this promise. And I, I almost felt it was a little bit of a challenge to the reader in a way. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it would be interesting to explore that. Um, I was so impressed with Pippin in this chapter when, <clears throat> because this chapter does, the, I mean, the Black Gate opens, does such a good job of uh, making me feel so terribly afraid for the people, you know, and they, they, they go out of their way to say uh, that it really stuck with me that people that had to leave, like they were too afraid to continue and everyone had pity on them and let them go. That, that really has always stuck out with me because I, well, I, I don't know, it, makes, it really makes this battle much more terrible, I think. It makes it much more hopeless. And then that Pippin wasn't one of those people and then he 
when all hope is gone, he pulls out his sword and has such a... Uh, he, he seems really wise, like this is this blade was made for such an hour, he thought, and I thought that was such a yeah. such a great moment. Um, my favorite part, I think, is how Aragorn gets represented in this the, the two chapters, actually. He, he's He's got everything in here. He's got um, mercy and humility and power, political savvy. There's just so much that a king needs that he represents in these chapters. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, over reading week, I failed in terms of actually getting reading done. <laughs> um, so some interest. I, I find the the end of uh, the the last debate just the the sense of how foolish and frankly ridiculous this plan of theirs is almost to be kind of it's a realization, but it doesn't make the fact that it's the right choice to make kind of like it has to be done like that there is things don't have to be practical to be the right thing or the you know the best thing to do and I, it's almost a you know the enemy would uh, smile and laugh and I almost like that image of darkness being so self-assured in even its reasoning that it, it can't just see that it's not what it seems it's basically a ruse not a not a actual you know we're not going to actually try to do what the last alliance tried with all the elves of middle earth and, and, you know, the rest of Numenor, so. I love that Kinley <clears throat> is worried that Legolas will leave and says that if all the fair folk take to the havens, it will be a duller world for those who are doomed to stay. And that the hobbits second this. It's just so cute and it's like, Oh, they're building relationships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a world for everyone else because he's going to leave with Legolas. So I like the most Sauron part, but also my favorite part, like, it's just, I don't know, I found it kind of funny. The first page there when they're walking and Gimli's like, oh, there's some good stonework here. And then Legolas is like, yeah, the, the houses are dead. I'm going to bring some trees that don't die here. Like, really, Legolas? Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Timing. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right, great, everybody. <clears throat> so I made a promise I'm going to break. The A1 promise? Yes. <laughs> we were going to talk about A1, but I realized we actually can't talk about A1 until we get to the steward. Okay. So yeah. we're going to hold out to them. Unless, you know, I mean, we, we, not that we can't talk about her in, in the chapters, but... Our, our, our big AO1 discussion is going to wait until we get to the steward in the camp. So hopefully there's no uh, huge objection to that. Uh, okay, uh, I do remember now one of the things I really liked about this chapter, and that is uh, there is a sense where Legolas and Gimli are kind of back in the story. It felt a bit, it felt for a while that they were kind of peripheral, and now they're front and center again, which is really kind of cool. And particularly Legolas, right? Like, like we get another picture of elves here. So I thought we'd start by talking oh. about that. And some people already picked up on some of those things, so whoever that was, feel free to, to weigh in. But it kind um, of jerks, like, the whole, Pardon? It kind of jerks, like, the whole trees that don't die comment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could read it that way if you choose to do so. <laughs> uh, but you don't necessarily have to read it that way. 
Uh, it is interesting that that the language is so similar for both Gimli and Legolas, in that, right? Like it's almost it's almost uh, verbatim, right? When Aragorn comes into his own, although there are significant differences, right? This, so this is the very first section. When Aragorn comes into his own, I shall offer him the service of the stone whites of the mountain, and we will make this town a town to be proud of. Legolas says, if Aragorn comes into his own, the people of the wood shall bring him birds that sing and trees that do not die. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> why is why is Gimli saying when and, and Legolas saying if? Yeah, Kara? I wonder if Legolas is just a little more far-sighted. He's, he's always going to put these consequences for everything. Like, theoretically, he also knows what you're going to see everything mm. happen and die. And mm-hmm. Gimli's, I don't know, he's more, so I feel like he's never much narrower viewpoint of that. There's really no other, if, if, like, if Aragorn comes to Arizona, that's probably the only good thing that was going to happen in Gimli's lifetime. Okay. Yeah, Jordan? Uh, just uh, in kind of paralleling the kind of two little descriptions of the city, uh, Gimli, he starts off with the good. You know, there's good stonework, but the streets are kind of, man. <laughs> that, but Legolas is the, the opposite. He starts with the pessimism and then goes to, like, oh, well, and then we'll bring birds and trees and be nice and happy. Like, kind of going from optimistic to pessimistic rather than the other way around. I have no idea if that has anything on, on their rationalities or their sensibilities as dwarf and elf, but might. Yeah. Uh, Mitch and then Josh. <clears throat> um, I was going to say, I think Legolas, yeah, being an elf, uh, will have seen a lot of failures, and the elves seem to have more of a perspective of things always declining, right? So it's more likely to say, well, if this happens, it probably won't, because things never turn out. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's certainly, I, I think it's a more of a wise thing to say, too, mm-hmm. to say, yeah. Also, it shows what they value, uh, things that live, mm-hmm. uh, coming into a city that's dead. But stonework is uh, something that could exist in, even in Minas Morgul, for that big stonework. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah Josh? And, and yet, that, that's how it seems in the first section, but when you go to the end of the second section, we, we get Legolas saying that the deeds of men will outlast us, including him, the elf who's immortal. And then Gimli says, and yet come to naught in the end, but might have means. So now they've kind of switched their roles, Gimli's being pessimistic all of a sudden, distrusting men. So they, they, they've got both sides to them. <clears throat> Taryn? Uh, my comment was pretty much the same. Kind of going off Jordan's comment where it's um, like what seems to start pessimistic and ends optimistic, but it carries over to the end, as you were saying. And again, we kind of goes in reverse where he's like, oh, the men are just going to kind of fizzle out, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that it actually just sounds like the elves are more far sighted that they see faith in like men as a whole <coughs> as opposed to Aragorn's command. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dallas? Uh, Legolas also makes a comment about uh, Prince Zimrahil. If that is a fair lord and great captain of men, if Gondor has such men still in these days of fading, great must have been its glory in the days of its rising. So I thought that was interesting too. It kind of plays into the whole, like, he's able, I don't know. Legolas almost seems to have this sense of, like, the greater picture of time, so. So. Yeah, Taryn? Uh, yeah, I feel like um, 
Legolas's point of view is a little closer to Gandalf's when he's kind of talking about um, how they're going to go into battle and they're probably all going to die, but then at least there'll be hope for a new age. I feel like Legolas is kind of expressing this um, similar idea, like even if Minas Tirith of the present is um, maybe not as good as it was, or if they never get to rebuild it, that there's kind of a broader picture at hand. So I, I think he, I feel like he's closer to Gandalf. Okay. And seeing this bigger picture. <clears throat> I like also how. Oh yeah, Jordan. Go ahead. Oh, I was just looking. Uh, the kind of Legolas being more far-sighted reminded me. Or later in this passage, there's like, Gimli makes the line, "Beyond the eyes of dwarves are such foretellings." When Legolas mentions that Aragorn's line won't fail, and I, I noticed Gimli, he's very. Um, pragmatic about what the now is. Mm -hmm. You know, there is good stonework. The streets are not as good as they could be. Um, and Legolas, you know, they need more gardens. There aren't any gardens here now, and you know, probably not much in the way of places where there can be gardens, but we could make more gardens. We could add more. It's not as... The, all the stuff he's suggesting is not there, and he's more forward-thinking, whereas Gim Gimli, later on, when they're talking about everyone's line uh, not failing, he's like, well, I have no idea about that. But what he did right now with the Paths of the Dead, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> you kind of, you, you know, Dwar, at least Gimli seems very, the present, what is actually here set in stone, so, whereas Legolas is more, you know, what could be possibilities of what could come later. Okay. Uh, I think it seems to be wise very often in, in this book that uh, to not be sure about things. Uh, even mm -hmm. though evidence is pointing to something, it could be a ruse or it could be not exactly how it seems. And in this case, even both, both these things, even though Legolas is at one time optimistic and then pessimistic, both cases, he's the one who's saying, he says, if, and then he says, uh, well, the elves don't know. Like, because the dwarf is saying, first of all, when Aragorn comes, and then he says, well, yeah, you might be right, Legolas, but it all comes to might have been. So he doesn't, and Legolas is the one that says, maybe it seems that way, but I, like, the elves don't know. And this is something that Gandalf does all the time, too, and in, and in the Black Gate, he, I think, realizes that the mouth doesn't know as much as he seems to know. It, it's, it's always uh, taking what you see and questioning it and not being t totally sure about things. Maybe Legolas is wiser. Yeah. I, I like the Legolas's comment, they need more gardens. That I think we have to keep in mind because that's going to be important as we go on. But it's repeated, that, that metaphor is repeated by Legolas at the end of that second section, right? Yet seldom do they fail of their seeds, said Legolas, and that will lie in the dust and rot to spring up again in times and places unlooked for. The deeds of men will outlast us, Gimli, right? So again, you have a garden men metaphor. And if we pay attention to gardens from now on, we're going to hear a whole bunch of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, but Tara, you raised a really good question, which is this kind of ambiguity about men, right? And, you know, what do people make of that? What is, what are, you know, yeah, Dallas? I don't know, because... Even now, when we look at people like, oh yeah, past is kind of glorifying the world and stuff, but our future is uncertain, and there's almost like this continual degradation, and we never, we never really know where society is going. I almost feel like that's happening 
with them too, like with the elves and dwarves, the like separate species though, they're, well, men, they have potential to be great, right? But they've fallen a little bit. We're not really sure where they're going. They could go well, or they could go to evil or whatever, right? So it's very, it is very, um, like it is, ambi oh God. Ambiguous. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, just to quickly contrast elves and men, I think uh, it's uh, with elves, they always have their greatest glory in the spring, right? Yeah. And then they fall and it's winter. And it's it's always that way, no matter what. It's always better in the past and it always declines. Mm -hmm. But Legolas is saying here that with men, it has seemed this way because uh, Gondor must have been better in the past. Yeah. But that was kind of an elvish understanding of men, the men of Numenor. Like they were the closest to elves and they were high and then they fall. And here he's saying, but they never totally fall because there is always a seed that comes back later. And this is something that elves don't experience. Right. This is all, this is purely a, a, a thing that, uh, for men, uh, yeah. which I think is really interesting. Also, it's interesting that the only place there are gardens are around the houses of healing. Right. In ministry. Yes, and that's very important. Yeah. What? Who is the seed? You think? Yeah, yeah, it's Aragorn. Which, his name also means tree. I think right. he says that too later. Yeah. So, so you get it. So, so Legolas is talking here, right? So that's the thing about men is, you're right, the elves have this trajectory, right? Men don't seem to be bound by that same trajectory, right? They, they fail and then to rise again, to fail, to rise again, right? It seems to be a different, maybe, I don't know, you know, like it seems to be a different kind of trajectory. So, um, yeah. And of course, we're, we're, we're heading towards the end of one age and the beginning of a new one, right? Which is, and which is very significant at the moment that we get there. We have to understand that we will. Okay, now, so so continue. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Andrew. I can't help also just hearing a comment about how the race of men will surpass us, especially considering that this is a novel that uh, is written to a modern audience and that is read by people living in the modern era. And I think that there's still a sense that we celebrate the achievements of man, look at what man has done with civilization and this and that. Maybe not to the same extent as we did earlier in the 20th century, but I think there's still a sense of that. And, again, and I think everyone who's spoken is right that if there is a sense here of the ability of the race of men to keep coming back and have these moments, and yet there is uh, at the same well, even just the sense that I mean, for all the achievements of humankind, I don't think we have the splendor, the grandeur, the magic we might say of elves or dwarves. I mean, elves and dwarves are a race apart from us, and they can do things that we can't. And I mean, we live in an era where a lot of people think that fantasy is just that—it's fanciful, right? And, uh, well, that's a nice idea, elves, dwarves, but they don't exist, but they're nice. And it seems like, uh, and again, I'm, I don't want to blur the line between fiction and reality here, but it seems like, the, okay, <laughs> I like well, boundaries. that, uh, I mean, if we think 
that the story of Middle-earth is actual history, if we were to adopt that perspective, that there was a time when magical creatures walked the earth, or at least there was a time when people appreciate that. It wasn't considered stupid or passe, but that was accepted that, no, there are supernatural parts of the world. Oh, that's kind of quaint, but we don't believe that. We're modernized, right? And it seems like that sense of there's this a world that was more enchanted that we've lost. I'm not articulating this very well, but I'm just trying to tie together all these different strands here. Yeah, so Charles Taylor talks about this in his book, The Secular Age, right? The, the enchanted world, where you had a world where there were powers that exerted force upon human beings, external powers, right? That were, that were seen in trees and rocks and rib, right? But the modern period, so the story goes, uh, you know, uh, eliminated that. It, it, we, we live in a disenchanted world, right? Where a tree is just a tree, a stone, right? There, the, there, are, there are no external powers, except, of course, that falls apart when you start talking about things like the economy, or culture, or society, right? These become these things that, you know. Yeah, Taryn? I think that's maybe what you were saying. Along those lines. We're kind of going along the lines of Andrew's point. Like, I feel just as a reader, like, I've been issued a personal challenge almost at the end of that paragraph where he's like, well, he ends up saying, well, I guess it could go either way to a certain extent. And I feel like you as the reader are left almost with a choice. Are you going to be one of those of the race of men who chooses to like honor the memory of those and these noble ideals we've been seeing? Or are you going to ban them and become one of the bits? So I, I feel it's a little <coughs> targeted directly to the reader, actually. Yeah, and not only the reader, but I think that that is then now the big question for Aragorn as well. Yeah, great. Um, at the same time, even though it's kind of, you know, the elves are fading, there's going to be a ton of men, I think that that's kind of almost a natural thing. And although, yeah, men should honor the memory of elves, it's kind of the natural way for the world to be at this point. Because if, if you look at, like, the history, elves had their time early on, kind of before men were awakened. And... Um, yeah, they like, you know, centuries kind of rule the earth. So now it's the time of men, the other children of Aluvatar, to have their time to rule the earth, to do kind of what they will on their own. So even though even though it's like we should honor them, you know, men should honor, you know, elves and don't forget about them, it's not it's not supposed to be the time for elves. So we shouldn't be, you know, mm -hmm. so sorry that elves aren't here. Okay. Lucas? I was just going to ask, do you think, like, I have to look at the wording again, but do you think when, like, what says the deeds of men may yeah, past us. Do you think he's referring to the deeds of men might pass towards and else? Or do you think he's referring more personally, like the deeds of men might pass us? Because then it's like, the men are going to do something that's like even bigger than what we've done, which is raising an army out of the dead and ending a siege they had no business winning. But uh, it just seems like a, it changes the, the meaning of it if you think he's talking about like, our deeds are going to be surpassed or like our civilizations. Uh, I just two things. One, um, uh, the book talking about how the glory line between fantasy and, and our world. And uh, I, I read all these chapters just yesterday, so they were all kind of in my mind. And back in the Pelennor Fields, uh, when Eowyn kills the, uh, the British beast, King. I don't know if you guys mentioned this during it, but uh, she, it, it was such a good line. It says uh, that a voice bodiless and thin that died and was swallowed up and was never heard in that age of this world. 
Like, he changed, it's not that age of the world, which mm -hmm. you would expect, but he says this world, like, and so that, I was reading that, he's like, oh, that's my world, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, so Tolkien going out of his way to kind of make a point, make that point there, which I thought was good. And um, uh, to Braden's point about it being like men's time, it used to be the elf's time, I think that's that's correct in the way that the history went, and, but I think it's not the way that maybe it ideally should have gone. I think there's evidence in the Silmarillion that says like maybe elves and men should be, like it, it, they're best when they're together, right? And it's, just, it's impossible now because of certain mistakes, but I think it's, it's, that's not the way that the world should have been or could have been. If there's a, there's a certain something twisted or wrong with the world. What's the progress myth? <laughs> that men keep getting better and better no matter what they do as we reach into the future. Right. Yeah. Right. That was very, at the time of the Enlightenment, that was very popular, right? The idea that things are going to get increasingly better, technology is going to get better, life is going to get easier. Science is going to answer all our questions. You know, there's this, you know, this general optimistic sense of everything is moving in the right direction. We're awesome. It's going to be great. And we'll reach a point where we won't even have wars. Well, <laughs> what what knocked holes Thanks in the progress myth? World War One, World War One, and World War Two, right? That's Tolkien's time, right? So I think we get a little bit of that, perhaps. I mean, almost a almost a lament, right, over the loss of that optimism, right? You know, that Tolkien is dealing with, with Gimli and Legolas here, right? It's sort of like, yeah, it's that ambiguity, ambiguity that now has come in because of this, and partly, I think, because of this, even this crisis that they've just gone through, right? I mean, okay, I don't want to, you know, read too much into it, but you, you talk about, you, no, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, Dallas. But that's also a little false founded that all progress is good progress. Is progress in eugenics good progress, right? That's so why it's a myth. I think that's why, like, um, Legolas even mentions, we'll, we'll see sort of, you know, like, yeah, we're making progress, right? This is all good. We'll see about that. Because mm, not right. all progress is good progress. Mm -hmm. And World War II obviously proves that. So. Yeah. Like, World War II especially. Mm. Yeah, Taryn? I find it interesting um, to contrast uh, the progress myth with um, sort of an, the earlier idea that you see in a lot of medieval or ancient works that everything is in a slow decline mm. from some sort of golden age. And I wonder if Tolkien has that influencing him as well, since he's been so immersed mm -hmm. in a lot of these ancient things. But I find it really interesting that he's kind of almost able to blend the two, sort of this idea of a decline. Yeah. But yet, having a sort of optimism mm -hmm. for the future, right? Interesting to both those. Yeah. Very good. Like we're declining, but since we're declining, we can start to climb, right? You can only go so low before you climb up, right? It's all relative. Yeah, it's it's sort of. It's it, it may not be it may not be as linear as that. I think maybe what he's getting at, right? It's not quite as, or it's not quite as simple as just. We decline, come back. We decline, come back. You know, well, there because, seems to be more. Because it seems like what they're saying throughout many characters is even in the state of decline, there are still good things that come and go. I mean, when in the midst of the tragedy, I mean, you have uh, the plants growing, or yeah, we this person has died, but the witch king was also slain, 
and that so when things are awful, there are also good things that come up, and that and yet even when it seems like a really great thing has happened, you're making progress. There is a loss. So perhaps it's more that loss and uh, what was the word I'm looking for? It's as though progress and decline go hand in hand, maybe. Well, yeah, okay, actually, yeah, Mitch? I, I think that's an important abstraction is, is what, is there a, a, a definition of what a rising or falling is, right? right? Is, is yeah. rising making our lives ultimately easy, or is it having a perfectly just society? Or like, what, there's so many different ways, but totally qualitative and not comparable, so. Yeah. You just described the entire problem. <laughs> Way to go, Mitch. <laughs> we should give you an honorary doctorate. <laughs> so uh, let's talk a bit about Legolas and the sea. Kelsey, you want to start off? So sad. Well, it's just that he has an urge to go, and we've seen that the other elves who are leaving already. No, but we need you to stay. You are important to these group of nine people. Because I want you in our world. Since this is the true world, I don't want you to leave. I want you here with me. <laughs> so, like, I want to experience your magic. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nice. I'm saying, is that Legolas you're talking about, or Orlando? No, like, Elsa. <laughs> 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 Not just Legolas, Elsa in general. <laughs> yeah, Kara? Yeah. <laughs> like this sort of blind, almost faint mythetic. He's never, he's never seen the sea. But he said he has this like deep rooted sea yeah. longing. I think he described it as. Yeah. Like, it's not just him; it's his people. Yeah. It's like he—he he doesn't actually know what the sea really is, and until now, he's been really happy. We talk about trees, and every time a tree comes up, he's like, "I'm gonna take you to this forest, this forest." Yeah. And now here he says, "No, Peach, I have again under beach or under elm." Yeah. It's like Tony clearly just had this longing. Like I mean, all the elves have forever, mm -hmm. but it's just surfacing it now because. Never heard of this right. Yeah, something has happened to him, and I don't know what if if it's like if it's a good thing or a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like like it's he himself yeah, sort of acknowledges. <laughs> yeah, it's bad if you're Gimli, right? And Mary and Pippin, and yeah. I think. And right? Aragorn too. Probably. And yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, something has happened to Legolas here. You know, which is really really interesting. Karen. Oh. Whoa. Or yeah, Mitch or or Josh. No. Oh, Josh. Oh, okay. Um. It, it just makes me wonder what what kind of an elf Legolas actually is, because there's all there's all sorts of the elves, and a lot of them didn't go to the sea. They've they just stayed in the forest in the green, looking at the stars. But I, I've always wondered whether Legolas and Thranduil were Sylvan elves no. ruling over other Sylvan elves. Sindar. Sindar. That they were Sindar? Yeah. They're Sindar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, they're, so, they're, so they're from Valerian and crossed back. Okay. That, so they never reached the sea. They kind of. Yeah, they they never went to Valinor. Those but, are Nandor and right? Sindar. Yeah. No, they didn't. But if, yeah. but if your question is, uh, would Sylvan elves also have a sea longing? Because that kind of. Yeah, because they, they. Well, they wouldn't <laughs> have seen the sea. They would have been near there, but they wouldn't have actually crossed. And dealt with yeah. Omo and all of that. Right, and they wouldn't have been like subjects of Melian and, right, yeah. and of, the, of people from the West. So right. Yes, Taryn and then Brayden. Um, Alyssa, 
idea of this sudden longing that's waking in uh, Legolas. It reminds me of a couple different bits from the works of C.S. Lewis. One being the line in which in the wardrobe when the children hear the name of Aslan and they all kind of have this sense of expectation almost in that way. Um, and this kind of like they're in, it's like they're inspired or they, they heard something that was it was in them but they didn't actually know what it was and they respond this way to a name they still don't know what it is but it, it's um, something that uh, like draws from the best in them and something that they uh, want to pursue and another part of the that this reminds me of is when he talks about the idea of joy or longing for something outside this world um, and I wonder if this is kind of the same thing like it's a longing for something that's kind of that isn't in that part of the world a longing for something bigger it yeah. reminds me of that unfamiliar yet recognizable yeah yeah. Great cancer. Nice. <laughs> so we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's great. I didn't like uh, yeah. the Oh yeah, Brayden. I forgot Brayden. Brayden first. Brayden first. first. Okay. But actually, because I think Kelsey's got to go, so can we just pause for a second? And also, I I have a I I have a. Oh yeah, Brayden has to go too. No, you can play. Come on. I was going to say my thing, and then I realized it's Go for it. Has no, that ever now I can't say it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on. Has that ever stopped any of us? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question and a good point. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna award the I'm gonna go against convention here, and I'm gonna award the palantiri to palantir to uh, Tara. Yes. Now, normally we don't. Normally I don't. Uh, Give the prize to Ascari members, uh, and this and my reasoning may now um, throw some question into the whole process. <laughs> but uh, for one thing, of course, they're all really good, and I, Taryn, I love your your uh, yours as well. But I realize that we're taking pictures for the for the journal, and we already probably have lots of pictures of Nick with the volunteers, and probably with Andrew as well. So I figure if we get a picture with Taryn, you know, it'll kind of mix it up a little bit. The story members put as much time in it as possible. Oh, you only have one picture. Oh, okay. For some reason, I have this feeling that we're gonna have like ten pictures of Nick. You know. Anyway, Taryn, congratulations. So, uh, welcome Ben and Greg. Uh, ben, would you like to share something about the two chapters we read today, which is The Last Debate and The Black Gate Opens? Anything that struck you or something you really want to talk about? Uh, something you loved? Well, I just kind of found it interesting, just like the last short paragraph of The Black Gate Opens, where like, Pippin's thinking, the eagles are coming, Pippin's thinking Bilbo. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it just, it's so blatantly the author is speaking to the reader because it's like, that came in his tale long mm-hmm. ago. This is my tale, and it's ended now. Mm-hmm. Greg? Um, I don't know why, but it really sticks out to me um, how, as the, as the, um, as the army is heading to the black gate and some of the soldiers are too scared to keep going everybody is like it's okay no big deal you can be the rear guard I just stay here 
Okay. It's such a cliffhanger. Yeah. Could you imagine reading just this part and then the book ends? Well, not knowing what had happened with Frodo. Yeah, like, thinking, right. oh, man, it's that the is? code. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. they lost. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. except we know already about that. And this right? is why. No, I don't think so. Like, this is so the next chapter is Tower of Security. More dramatic than the Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing we've known is Sam coming up against the door. Like, the last thing you know is literally Frodo's captured but alive. And now they are coming and Kevin's about to die. Yeah. So, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, you know, we, we sort of get we sort of get Legolas's uh, story of the Paths of the Dead, um, which is really good. But then I thought, hey, we haven't even got to the last debate yet. So, and we still have to do the Black Game. So let's just skip that and go right to the last debate. We can come back to it. We can come back to it if we have time. Okay. So the actual debate itself. Yes. Um, Wow, there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on here in terms of hope and despair, which has been a major theme for us for the last few years. Perhaps the theme. Yeah, perhaps the theme. Yeah, Nick, did you just have some? No, oh. I just said you don't say. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I think this is where we we run into Aragorn and Gandalf's despair, right, in terms of our characters who are going through this sort of this journey. So, so what do you make of Gandalf? What, well, how is Gandalf handling despair? Or in what ways do we see him despair? I guess we can, we'll spill over into the Black Gate a little bit too, I guess, because it's going to all be connected. Did you see Gandalf despair? This chapter? A no, little bit. A little bit. The message, a little bit. But then he thinks on a permanent, this guy's just, he's like, no, this guy's played me like he's sales. But isn't that, that's the next chapter, though. Yeah, that's, that's the next one. Uh, wait. Well, we can talk about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I, I said were, it's going to spill over. But, uh, I thought you were referring to something specific that I didn't. Uh, wait, yeah, let me just a second. Oh, we're talking about the last phase. Because I think part of the thing is that there's a sense of despair and there's no hope for the particular individuals. Right. But there's a greater hope that somebody after is going to have a good life if they manage to defeat this evil. Hobbit's <laughs> Right. Yeah, so so what we start to what we start to get, I think, from from Gandalf and probably from Aragorn is very similar to to Denethor well, let's wait for, let's hold off on Denethor. But it's similar to Theoden and Aomer and Aeolin, right? Which is this idea that there's a good chance we're not going to make it out of this, right? So, so, and, you know, and in that sense, I think is where maybe he, maybe he says Denethor was right, right? That this is not, this is not a battle that we're going to win, right? So, so then it becomes a matter of, sort of looking at the bigger picture, right? And that was Denethor's flaw, right? He couldn't see the bigger picture, right? But Gandalf sees the bigger picture, right? Um, yeah, where am I here? I'm still in the past of the dead here. Oh. Well, I like how Aragorn says, open just... We are coming out to the very brink where hope and despair are king. Yes, yeah. that's the, that's right. Oh, that's where the one is I was. That? Yeah. What does the Aragorn mean? Hope and despair are a king. This is eight sixty two in my book. Okay. Can only if 
only in the moment of despair can you hope for something better. Like you have to be sad about something. The night is darkest just before the dawn. Okay. Boy, mm -hmm. well, it's hope for something that completely unlooked for. And if it's completely unlooked for, then you can't know what's going to happen in any way. So the hope of everything that you know must be completely dashed. I, I guess. Okay. Anyone else? Have, yeah, Josh. That hope for the world requires despair for themselves. Okay. It's hard to. Do, it's hard to. Aowen is key in this, actually. Which so it's unfortunate we're not going to get to her until. A few chapters of the <laughs> but okay. But this is this is fine. Well, like I mean, Aowen is gonna when we get to Aowen, she's gonna pull all I think in a sense all of these strings together in a sense. But now we have the whole. So yeah, terrible. Also, just on a situational level, like um, if it, like if beyond some kind of hope they actually succeed, then this desperate action is their great hope. Mm. But if they actually end up failing, then it's basically despair for them. Like, to, to a certain extent. Like, right. if they, they could die, the ring might not actually get destroyed, but yeah. either way, the action has to be the same, but it go yeah. really either way. Yeah, Mitch? That's a good point, because I think what they're saying here is, I mean, they're, they're expecting to die not knowing whether or not Frodo has succeeded, right? Yeah. They think, let's just hold them off for as long as possible, and hopefully it works right. out. And I think Gandalf, the debate might be um, Gandalf trying to open people's minds to not just think of the current battle and the current situation, because he's talking about all we can do is, what he say, uh, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, and so that those that live after may have clean earth to till. Right. So it's, it's really, because usually these battle commanders are thinking, how can we win this? Uh, right. What do we do now? Where can we put our men? Gandalf was saying, it was really, like, Gandalf was right in some sense, but you have to have a larger view. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the reasons... One of the things that made Denethor right, which is what Gandalf says in the movement, right, is this is not a battle that's going to win by the strength of arms, right? So now that's not that's not necessarily a, just a general comment on nonviolence or you know strength of arms is not enough, right? He's making a specific point, in, I think, in this case that strength of arms is not going to do the trick, right? Yet. Um, yeah, we, we we do sort of have this obligation to engage, right? And 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 so the engagement, and this again goes back to Denethor, and it even goes back to Thaelden, right? There's no talk anymore here of glory or valor or songs, right? All of that has been has been shuffled off now, right? Now it's simply we do it because we must, right? Because like you quoted it, right? Mitch, other evils there are that may come for Sauron as himself, but a servant or emissary. That in itself is what we're talking about. <laughs> Yet it is not our part to master all the ties of the world, but to do what is in us for the succor of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after may have, not will, may have cleaner to till, what whether they shall have is not ours to rule. There is, in a sense, a focus on, on this present moment, right? This is our task. It's up to us. Clearly, it's not, it's not the strength of arms that's going to win the day. What's going to... The only victory we have is choosing to act, right? Even if that even if that act is is futile, right? Um, sorry, <laughs> um, no, I remember now. 
get Gandalf is able to see, and like Aragorn too, they're able to see, you know, even if we die, at least there's clean earth to and people behind us, right? I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about first, the difference between Legolas and Gimli, because literally Gimli only witnesses, can witness the people within his lifetime, whereas Legolas, as an immortal, is able to witness, like, every person, like, so many different people, right, who are all immortals, so he's able to think about people behind him, and Gandalf too, for that matter. Yeah. Aragorn is just awesome, so he's able to see this too, but, like, other men, they can't see past themselves, because their only experience is themselves, like, their only experience of life, right, so... Okay. Karen? Well, so my, that, your comment does actually remind me of um, the narrative when Legolas is talking about uh, the journey through the Pass of the Dead. He's pointing out these different things like, oh, Eowyn loved Aragorn and things like this. And Gimli says, alas, I thought only of myself. Mm-hmm. And he's so grieved by this fact that he was completely wrapped up in himself and didn't see anything going on around him. So I think that's one thing we can, again, like the reflection of the difference mm-hmm. between Legolas seeing again here on a wider scale. And also, I just wanted to comment um, on the idea of engagement versus despair of uh, Denethor's kind, I guess, um, where uh, I think it was Imrahil said, like, uh, well, we, our only other choice is basically to kind of, like, wall ourselves <coughs> up, which is what they, Gandalf was able to do. It's reminding me of in the Silmarillion, where we see frequently um, the elves retreating into their own cities and kind of letting the greater world suffer, and that and like a contrast with that, where with um like going out into like the battle of unnumbered tears and like fighting even though there ultimately isn't point. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, we talked about before about like especially with the Shire, like when we did the fellowship ring about the idea of whether you kind of withdraw from the world whether you're actually going to be involved in it. Right. I wonder if that comes into play here. Yeah, because it is, it's not, I mean, it's not like they aren't thinking here of more than just, okay, we have, we just have to act, we have to fight, we have to do this last stand, right? There is a, there is a goal, right? It's like, we need to draw Sauron's attention. There's still a, there still is a, uh, there's still a hope that Frodo might get through, right? So the point is, this isn't Frodo just, right, but this isn't just, okay, you know, it's better to fight and, and die fighting than go behind the walls, even though we're going to lose anyway. It's like, no, you know, we have, we have one chance left. Let's use it for, to the best of our ability, draw Sauron out, make him cast the last world, right? And if so doing, perhaps we give one slim chance for Frodo to get through, right? So there is still, I mean, it is still a bigger picture, I think, right? I think even a little bigger maybe than failed in, you know, just going, well, let's just ride in, ride to death and glory. And, um, and that might be harsh on Thaler. Well, yeah, he's fulfilling right. a promise to you. So there's well, yeah, there. right. Well, right, right. That's good, Tim. Thank you for that correctness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kara? When you're saying, like, people like Gandalf and Aragorn and Legolas come from the far side, and mortals less so, I think you have people like Frodo and Sam then, who also have this far side. Like, the last yeah. time we saw them, they had very little hope that they were going to be returned and they could go to this, go to their deaths and do this. And you can see that's a lot of the other more things with like Gimli and the other men who are afraid. Just again, um, Gandalf again here. Uh, we must walk open-eyed into that trap with courage but small hope for ourselves. For ourselves, 
becomes important. Uh, For my lords, it may well prove that we ourselves shall perish utterly in a black battle far from the living lands, so that even if Baradur be thrown down, we shall not live to see a new age. But this, I deem, is our duty, and better so than to perish nonetheless, as we surely shall if we sit here and know as we die that no new age shall be. Yeah, Mitch. Um, yeah, well, that's, you said it right there. But uh, I was going to contrast with the, in the Silmarillion when they go out to war, because this is, I think it's a, a decent uh, comparison. Like, the, in the Silmarillion, when they're going out to war against Morgoth, it's, I feel like more, it's more prideful, and it's them thinking that they can actually defeat Morgoth. And here, they're only fainting as if this is a room. <clears throat> As a as a theme of, of that, right? They come out and we're like, oh look, we're the king, and he's trumpeting and <clears throat> saying, King Elzar has come, and we're gonna we're gonna beat you. And that's what the elves in the first age were doing. But now this time it's a feint, and it's not really what they're doing, uh, because otherwise it would be it would be a recurring theme as Tolkien always does. It's like you think you're gonna win because you have all this strength and your glorious uh, bright swords, but then uh, evil wins, and that's what happened, and then this is what happened again. So. And, Plus, and like, like you can't defeat Sauron. He's a Maiar, right? Well, the you, only you, way he can't be defeated is like they defeated him the first <clears> time <throat> yeah. through the through the Valar through another Maiar. Right. With Morgoth, I agree, but with Sauron, they did cut his hand off. Yeah, before. yeah, but well, that just banished him because he put all his power into the ring, right? That's why he was able to be vanquished since they cut the ring. From yeah, and then yeah, they yeah, still, yeah, they're still, they're still a You can injure him. Maybe if you injure him enough, you can kill him. And if you defeat the if you destroy the ring, yeah. you do beat him. Yeah. yeah, I guess you don't really kill him though, you just kinda like banish him from physical form and power. And doesn't it say something about him becoming just this Well we'll find shape, out like, the, shadow. the shape. I think it said yeah. a previous chapter. Well, well there's a debate here somewhere about somewhere. What, what will happen if there's a Banish him to a power that will no longer bother Yeah, he's just like a, a shade of malice. Or maybe that was the Nazgul. No no, he turned into nothingness. Yeah. yeah. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nick, did you have your hand up? No. Oh okay. He did. Yeah, Andrew? Well, Gandalf does say that when he's giving, all right, here's my counsel, here's what I suggest we do. Uh, he, without it, the gifts of the ring, we cannot by force defeat his force. The implication seems to be that if we did have the ring, we could conceivably have enough force to repel Sauron's force. Now, there's whole sorts of problems that would come with that, but we don't have it, so we can't take down Sauron's force with our own. Uh, and then he also says right before in wisdom our great folly has been sent away to be destroyed lest it destroy us it's interesting though that I actually think that Gandalf is aware that even if they had the ring they wouldn't be able to defeat Sauron that's what they're counting on yeah because I think they're because they are assuming and I think that and I think it's a it's a it's a good assumption that Sauron is assuming that they have it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now here comes the heir of a right? And and this whole plan this with whole plan his with his army, right, is for Sauron to come out and destroy them to me on the assumption that Sauron believes that that Aragorn has not yet had the strength to master the ring. This is his big chance, right? To kill them before that happens, right? He thinks that maybe he you know they're they're counting on Sauron jumping the gun, which is, of course, what the enemy always does, right? Based on Sauron's sense that, you know, if I can destroy them fast before they're able to actually master the ring, I can do it, right? And something like that. Maybe. 
Yeah, so so I would I would actually think maybe that Gandalf is assuming that, and I think I think they're actually right. I'm not sure that even if if Aragorn took the ring, if he'd have if he'd be able to immediately be able to himself. Well, his Tolkien's choice of language here is fascinating because after Gandalf shares Denethor's words and says, you know, even though Denethor was wrong to despair, he was right that against this force you can't defeat them by arms. But I do not recommend the prudence. I still hope for victory, but not by arms. Into the midst of all these policies comes the ring of power, the foundation of Balador. Here's the key phrase for me. And the hope of Sauron. So we're going to use Sauron's hope and fear against him. Mm -hmm. So, paradoxically, our hope lies in exploiting Sauron's hope. And it's mm -hmm. interesting because that's what the moment Sauron tries to do. He tries to use their hope with Frodo. Of course, they don't really know Frodo's true mission mm -hmm. against them to get them to accept these like these terms, which are ridiculous mm -hmm. terms. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of it is uh, because they're not bringing their full strength. Right? They're they're mm -hmm. leaving. Uh, if, if if Aragorn did have the ring and he was like, gung-ho, this is our only chance to defeat Sauron entirely, then they would completely empty, I think, mm. everyone of everything, and they wouldn't leave anyone behind, and they would have more than double the people that they still have there, uh, and it would be much scarier for Sauron, but this way it's kind of like he thinks that this is all there is, and so you kind of get excited, like, right. we're going to do it, we, I can really do it, let's go, you know? Yeah. Now, and, I've uh, now I've got you. Now I've got you. So you can be less thoughtful, maybe, if you're Sauron. You now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Aragorn, right, they were silent for a while. At length, Aragorn spoke, As I have begun, so I will go on. We come now to the very brink where hope and despair are akin. So here's that line again the very brink where hope and despair are akin. To waver is to fall. Let none now reject the counsels of Gandalf, whose long labors against Sauron come at last to their test. But for him, all would long ago have been lost. Nonetheless, I do not yet claim to command any man let others choose as they will. Right, so it's like again, the, we're on the brink. Right, hope and despair are akin. What is what is this brink? What are the choices that are now? Um, I'm still wondering, you know, what we can do with that, where hope and despair are akin, and our, and our hope despair conversation. I'm also just finding it interesting that he doesn't actually assume the authority to force people to go with him. But yet you have these people volunteering and kind of, like Gandalf says, this is your duty to do this. And other people are like, well, yeah, obviously it's our duty, so obviously we're going to go. It doesn't, we don't need to be commanded. Yeah. But it's also important, it's your duty, but it's important to choose, right. to accept your duty, I guess. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of like Theoden coming to fulfill the promise to mm -hmm. the Gondorians, mm -hmm. which he technically, like, in a kind of practical manner, he probably maybe probably shouldn't have done that if you were to look at it from a strictly practical point of view. Or even like looking back to the fellowship when um, Elrond says that sworn word in like, kind of break you instead of making you stronger. Like I think that would be applied to the situation entirely. Like if you force them to come, then you have like those poor men who are so overcome with fear at the crossroads that it would like they'd basically be broken because they couldn't get out of their mm -hmm. command but he has the which was so important that Aragorn said to those, you know, if you don't feel up to this, there's another option of equal glory to you, and that's at the 
across, like, up yeah. the other Karen cross Andrews, yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah, I love that, actually. It's a good part. And then they leave, and they go, yeah, this is something that we know we can handle. Yeah. Right? The story would be identical if Tolkien hadn't written that page. Yeah. Like, nothing changes, but he did, and I think there's something really yes. interesting. I know, it's, yeah. so, it's so merciful, right? It's yeah. like, yeah. this guy gets us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and even, I, I, another thing I like about that part is that some people are like, oh, well, we can follow, we can trust him enough to follow him if this is the kind of mercy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so kind of, they kind of, like, find new courage mm-hmm. to follow him after being offered this choice to yeah. leave if they right. want to. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I also love, and it's just a minor thing, but I love how when they're talking, you know, Aragorn is talking about new new forces coming from the south, because of course they defeated that army. Uh, and then they talk about the gate, right? The gate is destroyed at Immerhill, and where now is the skill to rebuild it and set up a, set it up anew? And then Aragorn. In Erebor, in the kingdom of Dan, there is such skill. You know, like, I don't know why I like that, but I just like, first of all, he just knows, like, because I mean, yeah. he knows the world, right? And he probably was a ranger. He, but I, I don't know just having it evoked again is such a great way of getting all that the Hobbit like Carolyn, you know, and the Eagles here again. You have the oh yeah, Erebor, the Hobbit. You know, like it's, he just pulls it in sort of inadvertently and yet so deliberately and so seamlessly, right? That suddenly it's anyway. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so then then uh, we do the Black Gate. One thing that I really like, or what I find so fascinating about Tolkien, and this is going to come up in many partings as well, even stronger. So I, I was hesitant to bring that up. But what, you know, like they march along the same route that Frodo and Sam marched, right? So all of a sudden they're at the crossroads, right? And then, and then they're at the statue, right? And, you know, and I love what happens with the statue. They knock the yes. head off, right? Yeah. And it's just such a shout out to Frodo. He's like, oh, look what they did to her. You know, with Frodo, when he's like, look at what they did to the statue. It's disgusting, right? Yeah. And they're like, screw that. And they burn the marble bed. Right, and they break t- they break down the yeah. bridge. Yeah, I was wondering how they and did that. Yeah, yeah. I, was thinking, I know there's two of yeah. them. They're yeah, only only Gandalf and Orcrux. What did they do? But I I I like how. Well, I guess I was gonna. I don't know how I can. I can't describe the feeling. There's a feeling that I had when they come to these places where Frodo and Sam had been. And does anyone else? Did anyone else sort of? Like, um, I'm getting, how would you describe that feeling? I'm getting a vague feeling of Jesus metaphor, and a little child shall lead them. Okay. See, I wish that they went into Minas Morgul. Like, I'm sorry, I'm really curious. Yeah. What Me too. There. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know it's yeah. supposed. It was a great city yeah, of the Tower of Sorcery. Yeah. And now it's this. It's fallen, right? Like something so shape. great can be yeah. so corrupted and twisted, right? Yeah. And I'm just like. I want to know. I, I hated how they were like, no one shall ever, we're just going to burn this. No, reclaim yeah. it, reclaim <laughs> it. I think it's if I went up to Miss Morgan, I would go insane. I know. Well, they're right. burning the city. They're burning, like, the burning nasty the flowers. And, but yeah. they're like, the city shall be destroyed or whatever. It's just going to, like, be left. No, reclaim Just wash it. Just <laughs> <laughs> We don't have a blood on Kara. Well, I was just going to say, it reminds me right at the beginning of in your Stone Fellowship when we talk about. Oh, they just passed the trolls, and that's another Bilbo. They had all these landmarks of Bilbo. And it kind of reminds me of that, but closer, because Bilbo's story is a different story. Yeah. This is, 
their story, they just don't know that they're hitting landmarks in their story yet. Right. Probably later, probably right, and they'll be like, well, we were there, we were there too. And right. Like, there's some timeline there, and like, we get to each other about like a day and a half or something. Yeah. yeah. And this this is the key, and I I, I don't want to get too deep in it, because I think when we get to later in the chapters, it's really going to be stronger. But when when we walk with Aragorn to the crossroads, we're already familiar with the crossroads, because we, we've been there once before, right? And when we walk north along that road, right, and, and they, the marshes are over there, we we're already we're familiar with that now, whereas we weren't when we first encountered it, right? And that's I think significant when we get to uh, their journey home, as we'll see, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But anyway, I, I, and that's what I felt. I felt like, oh, hey, this is familiar, you know, like like we've been here, and I really I really like that, and and how Tolkien went, took them that way deliberately so that he could I think mention that and get us to oh yeah you were well then it's like there. It, it reinforces the idea that they're all aiming for the same thing. They are, I think Kara was saying, or maybe with us, they're all part of the same story, and I think this just really reinforces it when you hit the same points. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I always wonder, too, why would they go to the Mormon Like, yeah, it's important, but the Witch King's killed. It's not a super, like, mm-hmm. their, their main business is at the Black Gate. Right. Yeah. Why would they go there? I think they go there just because Frodo was there. Right. So. Everyone gets even when they're thinking about each other and you're kind of like, like they're yeah. thinking about each other at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Or like, oh, well, and, and, yeah. Gandalf, yeah. Right. And Gandalf right. himself, right, he mentions, or at least in his thought, why they don't want to go to Meet's Mom, right? Mm-hmm. Because Frodo went that way. And they wanted, right, they wanted, they wanted Gandalf anyway, yeah. right? He's so he, he, on later yeah. said, no, don't take that. Because there was right. discussion. And was like, well, why don't we take this Minas right. Morgul Bay, like this path that you said, yeah. where we could get the back door into Mordor. Right. No. But Gandalf doesn't say because of Frodo, he, yeah. but he thinks it, right? But he urges that because and of that, like, right? And he's like, no, 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 trust yeah. me. <laughs> so before, before we go any farther... I think we should just pause just for a moment and give Mary some attention because he's left behind, right? <laughs> and and uh, it's so let's. It's great because now since he's a here, he gets to you know like Pippin's spend time in Rohan. Now he gets to experience Gondorian culture. Right. Yep. And he gets so, to meet Faramir too. So. Yeah. So Mary is. Um, he also now is experiencing despair, right, as he watches them all leave, right? And, well, I guess, I guess, actually, the conversation where Mary's not going is in the chapter before it, right? Right? Doesn't Gandalf say, you know, you've already done more than, you know, Pippin has not... No, yet, it's uh, at the beginning of the Black Bear. Yeah. Oh, it is, it is. Yeah, journey, right. so oh, yeah, there it is, right. You're not ashamed. If you do no more in this war, you've already earned great honor. Right. Yeah, Peregrine shall go, and I like he calls him Peregrine there. Mm-hmm. In fact, does he ever call him Pippin again at, at once he's a can? Yeah, now he's like an Now yeah. Pippin is an adult. Yeah. Peregrine shall go and represent the Shire folk. Yeah. And do not grudge him his chance of peril. For though he has done as well as his fortune allowed him, he has yet to match your deed. But in truth, all now are in like danger. Right? So... I like Shoot, I had a thought that just that just slipped away, but it had something to do with people being not wanting to be left behind. Well, it's interesting in the, with the road with Mary originally, 
uh, Thade had said, well, you couldn't do anything anyway, don't, don't come. And here, Aragorn to Pippin is saying, well, you deserve your chance, like anyone yeah, else. Right. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What kind of, like, would be, I guess, strikes one for me is that both Pippin and Mary, like, they're just like, oh, I wish, uh, like, I wish Pippin was with me. Oh, I wish Mary was with me so that we could at least, whatever we do, we would be doing it together. Yeah. And it like it reminds me of obviously Sam and Frodo and how they can't like like Sam can bear to be Frodo and yet Pip and Mary are kind of being forced apart. It almost makes it worse if they're going to ultimately meet their ends that they can't be together. Yeah. How the despair would be as bad if I had Mary or if mm-hmm. I had Pippin with me, right? Which is a major theme, right? Like like for we, you know, for Tolkien again it's the sense of, of None of this stuff can be done on your own, mm-hmm. right? It's always community. It's always doing it with, with, so life, with Sam, friends, right? And it's true, yeah. like, if Sam and Frodo were ever separated, mm-hmm. Frodo wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. So, but yet Mary and Pippin, they're always being separated, so it kind of sucks. But at least yeah. you find other friends along the way, right? Like, they can yeah. get, get bear gone, or they get right. Yeah, right, exactly. Right? Like, there's always someone. truly alone, right? Yeah. That's great, Dallas. And when they do get together, they always have a good smoke. And yeah, I do feel like not a, not a big enough deal is being made of what Mary did. Like it's really a major deal. I don't think Mary even understands it. No. Well, this is what I love about um, at the time he stabbed the witch king. It was just about defending Eowyn possibly dying. Like, yeah, I'm gonna do this thing. Yeah. Hey, I'm gonna. That was quite. Yeah, it was yeah. quite a moment. Well, that's why I love in the, I think it's the Houses of Healing where. Mary's left behind while everyone's they're carrying Eowyn and Theoden up, right? And Mary's yeah. kind of and everyone's forgotten about him. And then of course there's that great moment where he's all kind of in this fog and, and all of a sudden there's Pippin, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, you know? And then Pippin is with him, and then they're like still just the two hobbits are like struggling and Pippin, you know, we comment about why doesn't Pippin carry him Sam carry Frodo. I'm not sure if that's the, 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 the move we should make there. But anyway, you know, they're, they're really you know, struggling. Pippin is a big dude and Frodo's pretty scrawny by then. Yeah, maybe. And then, and then, you know, he, you know, so he sends the sun up, and then Gandalf himself comes, right? And it's so appropriate. It's exact. Like no one other than Gandalf should come at that moment, right? As a way of saying, you know, you should have been brought up with just about honor. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there is all this acknowledgement, but yeah, there's a sense where Mary. But, I mean, but that befits the hobbits too, right? There's yeah. a sense that they do these great deeds, and yet even they are kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, we're not meant to live up in the heights, right? Oh, King Thaden, what a nice little man. Yeah, exactly. He's so polite, you know? Yeah, he's so polite. <laughs> it's just one, uh, ran- it's kind of yeah. a random aside in- at the beginning there. Mm-hmm. But I love how, um, what's his name, Barragil? Um, he's like, don't worry, everybody will be okay, because they have... Uh, they have Lord Elston, but I also like how they have my dad with them. Right, that yeah. will make everything okay. I just love that confidence. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> my dad's there. It's going to be yeah. okay. That, was, that is so good. Yeah. Or now that dad's home, I'll be able to play outside or whatever. <laughs> okay, so then they keep marching. Uh, they start blowing the trumpets. Uh, they correct the Lords of Gondor to King Elisar, which was an interesting thing. Because remember... We didn't, we didn't talk about this with the Houses of Healing, but how Aragorn doesn't want to go into the city, right? And at the, at the, at the, at the beginning, he doesn't know yet that Denethor is yeah. dead, right? So he says if he goes in there, he's going to... But even after Denethor is dead, he still says, no, 
you know, I don't want to go into the city yet. He, you know, so um, yeah, Josh, is your hand up. You might, that might not be about this. So go ahead no, it is. It's an oh. interesting balance because he doesn't want to go into the city because he doesn't want to cause turmoil if people don't want a king. But he also doesn't correct them when they say King LSR, right. even though he hasn't been crowned yet. And he makes Lord Imrahil and now King Eomer come to him for the last debate. Mm -hmm. So, right. balance of power. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. there, yeah, there's because there's that, but there also, I feel in him, still a little bit of tentativeness right, about what, you know, and, and we'll see when, I, we'll see, I think, the, the moment when that, I think we'll come to the moment where Aragorn himself says, okay, now it's real, now it's, right, and we'll, we'll try to pay attention. I think because he knows that there's going to be this last uh, stand, stand, right? Mm -hmm. And he knows he might die in it, and that that is the last hope, possibly. So he doesn't want to give people this hope, like, oh, our king's back, and then he rides off and gets killed, like, two days later, right? right? So he's like, okay, I don't want to completely have them that hopeful, just because yeah. they might act like it might not work out, right? So... Yeah. Let's just not call myself king or whatever. I'm just a lord, you know, a ranger, leader, that's it. And uh, it works out, too, that they left Faramir, obviously, mm -hmm. in the city when they rode off, too. So if he does get killed, the people aren't like, oh, my God, our right. king was here in two days, and this sucks. Yeah. So we can't go on. Well, it's kind of interesting, then, because, like, we're talking about how like they're all kind of hopeless and despairing, but he's he doesn't want to give them too much hope, right? Because like it's almost like too much hope is going to be a bad thing in the long run. This kind of interesting comparing that to all the despair and lack of hope. Because too much hope, if you're given too much hope, and then it falls through in the end, you're like, I'm never hoping again, and you well, just despair. I think it also like, comes down to being a bit like realistic about the situation mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. as having hope in yeah. the situation. Yeah, and Aragorn makes a comment like that when he sends the people away to take care of Andros. He says that he makes a comment that they don't know why they're doing this. Only the people who were in the last debate really understand the situation. Right. And everyone else is just sort of... They, it, it would be easy to have a lot of hope because we just beat this whole army. Right. They don't understand that there's lots, there's yeah. lots left to do. But I think with uh, Aragorn, it's, it's not so much... It's like, what do you do that makes you a king? Not, he's not king because he's uh, Sildur's heir. Like He has the claim to it, but yeah. he's doing everything that... Right. The king would do. He defended yeah. the city. He yeah. was leading the armies under, under Gandalf because he's abdicate. He's wise enough to see that Gandalf should be leading right now. Yeah. He's wise enough to be empathetic to everyone's maybe misgivings and just being really, really tentative. He's he's being he's acting as a king. He's just not claiming it, and yeah. so people will make it. People will right. say, "You are my king." Well, this and is that's, thing, the, that's right? what makes you a king. Yeah, exactly. Because they give him his own name. Remember at one yeah. point, right? They yeah, yeah, yeah. They call him Elfstone. Elfstone, right? Yeah, yeah. So they right, which is sort of exactly right the, the way it's supposed to go in a sense, right? Yeah, and I don't want to get too religious, but oh my god, Aragorn's acting like it's just such. It's almost this is as close as Tolkien gets to, I think. Uh, making someone a Jesus. Oh yeah, like, he's walking right. in and like healing people. Yeah, and... calling them back like Lazarus from the dead, right? Like it's all. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's you know, he's, he's uh, the, the hands of the king, and yeah. he's like hiding and saying, "Oh, don't call me king." Right. And he's like, he I don't want to come into the right? city, and like you, yeah. I, I'm not a challenge oh, right. to the current. Right. Oh man. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. And I love how at the end, I think it's the end of that chapter when the people wake up the next morning and Imreel's banner is yeah. flying and they're like, was that a like, dream? Was it a dream? Like, what you know? happened? Like, it's so And good. so no one even remembers. Yeah. And so, like, people would be writing gospels about this king at <laughs> Elf of Stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beginning of the gospel of the Father. <laughs> of Faragon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So did the king by popular demand. Okay, so, so they get attacked at one point and, um, and they, they beat them off and then there's this paragraph... But the victory did little to enhearten the captains. It is but a feint of Aragorn, and its chief purpose, I deem, was rather to draw us on by false guess of our enemy's weakness than to do as much hurt yet. And from that evening onward, the Nazgul came and followed every move of the army, blah, blah, blah. And then um, the next, the first sentence of that next break, so time and the hopeless journey wore away. So again, right, Tolkien is just kind of reinforcing this. Um, and then you have the sending away the people to... Andros. Um, they advance very slowly. In the next break, it was cold. It just like has this slowly growing sense of despair. Like things just kind of like yes. subtly worse. Like nothing becomes obviously worse, but things just get subtly yeah. worse and yeah. worse and worse. Yeah, yeah. you never. Really they keep losing men. Right. Subtle, yeah. It's such yeah. a subtle gradation of just slowly getting worse on you. Like, yeah. oh crap, it sucks over here. I wish I was like five miles back. Right yeah. here. It was nice. <laughs> and uh, except for the faint until they get to the black gate. I mean, they're walking around blowing the horns. King Elsar comes. Uh, come forth, Sauron. Right. No one. Exactly. No answer. <laughs> yeah. I think that's on what we don't, like, psychologically, that's worse. Like, where are they? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. Exactly. Why are they answering? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, it feels very... It's very <laughs> ominous. Yeah. Right? And it's I almost like Sauron's, you know, hiding in his bed under his blankets, like, they won't find me. They won't find me. Yeah, <laughs> and then, I like, think, when they finally show up, it's like, crap, now I have to go. No, I think, I think it's more. the opposite. Oh, no. oh, come on. That's ridiculous. Well, no, that's what he's trying to pretend is happening. Like, mm. he's, he's pretending he's hiding in his blanket for, like, don't, don't well, find When the Nazgul, like, Wait. flying away right. off. Dallas, that's ridiculous. Yeah. When, you're, when you're hiding under the blankets, nothing can touch you. And if Sauron <laughs> had a blanket for it, we'd be doomed. <laughs> <laughs> But then they get to the Black Gate. Um, upon the battle, nothing could be seen. All was silent but watchful. The right? They were come silence. to the end of the last... They were come to the last end of their folly. Right? And stood forlorn and chill in the gray light of early day before towers and walls which their army could not assault with hope, not even if it brought thither engines of great power. And the enemy had no more force than would suffice for the manning of the gate and wall alone. Yet they knew that all the hills and rocks about the, Mor- the Moranon were filled with hidden foes, and the shadowy defile beyond was bored and tunneled by teeming broods of evil things. And as they stood, they saw all the Nazgul gathered together, hovering above the towers of the teeth like vultures, and they knew that they were watched. But still the enemy made no sign. Like, this is just setting up this terrible sense of foreboding, and, you know, and like, I love the next sentence. No choice was yes. left them but to play their part to its end. Yeah. It's like here, yeah. again, we're for the final scene. You know the scene's going to be a disaster. Yeah. You've got to do it. Yeah. The readiness is all. There's what to do or die. So then the mouth of Sauron comes. I have questions about the uh, metaphysics of this. Okay. Sure. Like the mouth of Sauron. What are metaphysics? Well, not all physics majors. Metaphysics no, is not about metaphysics. It's the nature. It's the nature. 
just uh, yeah. Um, Thanks for clarifying. They say he's a black Numenorian. Mm-hmm. And Numenorians are long-lived, but when they started to worship Sauron, they became very short-lived. Right. So this guy should not... I don't buy that he is, therefore, like, thousands of years old, even though the kind of is implied. Well, he's a, well, it says that he served Sauron since Baradur, like, rose again, or whatever, so he, like, yeah. he, like, two or three different times, so... Well, it says he came of the race of those that are named the Black Numenorians. Yeah. So he may not have been a Black Numenorian. Well, he was a Numenorian who made an establishment on Middle-earth while Sauron was in charge of Numenor, so during that little bit... Oh, right. And... That's right. So I don't... But even if he is very long-lived, he still is... You know, he could just be a descendant of theirs, though. So he's like, he's a descendant, race, yes. So there is like a city of men living in Mordor. Where there's like a whole group of these black Numenorians. Like that's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. actually. Well, okay. I'm pretty sure there's some kind of sorcery going on there because he's got a skull for a face and fire in his eye sockets as well. Well, that could be metaphorical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, it could just be. It could just be real. You could just be really skinny and have a actual death. I, I think you're right about sorcery, though. Like something making him. Unnaturally long life, that sort of thing. It might I don't be sour on life. Unnaturally long lived, because like it said, when it grows again, when did it rise again? Well, after Sauron was ousted from Dorvaldor, right? So yeah, it doesn't have to be that long ago. That? So he was about twenty around that time. So <laughs> who has the tales of? But okay, so let's sure. um. The mouth. Actually, I think it might even say in the tale of yours. Where the mouth? Oh, really? Maybe. I don't know if he's I mentioned in there. I don't know if it is. But that is a good question, Mitch, and it does raise some very interesting questions about the mouth of Sauron and others like him who may actually be immortal. Right? Yeah. Um, okay, uh, boy, it'd be great to like read uh, this whole section, but I realize it's actually really long, so we're not going to do that at all. But we don't have time. And we don't have time. So, so wait, right. Wait. So, um, there's a really good audiobook that I listen to on YouTube where this guy does yes. all of these, and yes. he does this part really, really well. Yes. That's so I would recommend it. It is. It's really good. I, can't, I don't know what... Who's like who, a hobby? Who, it called? I don't know. Okay. It's, this, this guy... Hmm? This guy with a... Sure, yeah. This guy with a uh, microphone and there's some editing skills. Yeah. has all the parts, has sound effects and music. It's it's a full-blown audio. It sounds fantastic. Just post the thing on the Facebook. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, let's let's uh, let's talk about this guy a bit. Um, first thing, is there anyone in this route with authority to treat with me? He asked, or indeed with wit to understand me? Not thou, at least. Interesting, he uses the intimate form, yeah. which can be a very rude condescending. It needs more to make a king than a piece of elvish glass or a rabble such as this. Why? Any brigand of the hills can show as good a follower. What's what's he doing? Yeah, it like I really think right now he's he's got this whole thing planned out with Sauron. He's like, go out and insult him, make him make him then show us the ring. Like yeah. show like that's you're trying to goad Aragorn yes. into. Yeah. yeah, that's good actually. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And then they lock eyes. Right. And the mouth looks away. And Aragorn says nothing. Right. Yeah. Because right. The, what. What you expect if Aragorn is the type of person to take the ring would be like, oh, don't yeah, you know oh, I have way more than this. Exactly, like, I, right. Don't you know who yeah. I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's interesting how the, how, the, how the mouth of Sauron there feels like he's been assaulted by that yes. Aragorn's gaze, right? Yeah. I mean, in fact, it's assault, like, I am a herald and ambassador. I may not be a sailor, <laughs> he cried, right? <laughs> oh, he was looking in the eye! Which is really, really good. How and, 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 shy are yeah, you? And, how, and, and there's almost like, you talk about him coming from the Black Numenorians, right? There's almost like a, 
like a justice there, right? Like the faithful Numenorean, you know, uh, uh, looks down the the black Numenorean, right? I mean, this is an old conflict, right? Yeah. And uh, Just which is really really cool. Shame on you. Yeah. And I mean, he's constantly mocking these guys, and he's supposed to be respectful to as an emissary, but then when he perceives a threat that isn't actually carried out, hey, I'm an ambassador, you can't touch me! Yeah, well, and it makes me all like you know pretentious and arrogant, and like oh, I'm so much better than you lot, and it's like oh, please don't hurt me, please. Yeah, yeah and then Gandalf says, "Where such laws hold, it is also custom for best and for ambassadors to use less insolence." <laughs> so he's kind of just like throwing it back. It's like, oh, if we're not supposed to attack you, then you can stop being just mean to us. Mm. And the mouth falls. Yeah. So um, you know, it's it's. Uh, okay, so, you know, it, it, it's reminiscent of, of the mouth of Saruman, or the voice of Saruman, right, a little bit, right? Yeah. Where, where the mouth of Saruman kind of takes them on one at a time, right? So wait, but, doesn't, but doesn't have the power the of Saruman. The mouth is like 80 years old, about, give or take a little bit. So, I mean, that's reasonable. I mean, he still is Numenorean, so, I mean, he's not going to have, like, that five, four to five hundred year lifespan, but 80 years old, I mean, he's as old as an Aragorn. He's got to be more than 80. But he's probably like probably in his fifties. Like Aragorn is probably like really only in his thirties. But it's, it says he entered the service of the Dark Tower when it first rose again. Yeah. When is well, that, that, that was in like twenty nine. Oh, okay. I guess like, not. Like wouldn't that be when they left Dol Guldur or yeah. earlier? I well, no, no, no. Exactly. Left Dol Guldur. The it's, a, it's a really it's good question. Shortly after. Dol I, I really like think. Is this really the most interesting thing we can? It's talk interesting to me. Yes. 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 Yeah. Well. It's, it's interesting to me. Because, because I want to know more. Like, the mouth is one of my favorite yeah. characters. I want to know more. Because the question is, for me, uh, if he's... Because it implies... I feel like this part implies that he's very old. Yeah. And if he's very old, why Like why is he, he able he to have long life when everyone else got to... I think to, that probably is part of his image. Like, he wants to imply that he's thousands of years old. But he is. But he is. He either is he or He entered the surface of the Dark Tower when it first rose, rose again. But is that double Again. <laughs> when it right. first rose but again, the first time. But it could, it could be that, but it could just be but, first rose again in this, like, well, I immediate think, right. vicinity yeah. of so there, so there was it, When it was rebuilt destroyed? after the Battle of the Last Alliance, or when Sauron yeah. entered yeah. the Gap. Well, yeah. They're the same. Because it wasn't rebuilt until, like, 2951. He begins the rebuilding of Baradur. Yeah. Yeah, but he did learn like great sor- sorcery, so yeah. there could be something there. Sorcery, yeah. I, I would look at it, if anything, like he somehow is, is tied to the race. Yeah, in some way. I would agree. Yeah, that power, which keeps way. him, which could keep yeah. give him some Well, because yeah. the, the, the race were once men who entered into yeah. Sauron's service, so they're related we, in that way. We appreciate Peter Jackson's depiction of Mel. Yeah, that, that, was, that was, was pretty cool. good. I didn't well, need Aragorn to cut his head off. Yeah, that that goes against the laws of life. Okay, so anyway, um, okay, we have to talk about the moment when he pulls out the tokens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone dies a little bit inside at that moment, because we don't know what happens to Frodo if you just read the books. Right. You see, but the thing is, like, everyone else is, like, stern face, like, oh, yeah, you think that's going to make us do something? And then Pippin, he's like, yeah, no, Frodo. I don't know that they're necessarily, like... Okay, they're not saying anything, but it's, I think it's what does it say that the world was like black around them, right. like they just like they all kind of well, they, yeah, they, they, they know well, enough to they, not let the enemy well, know that they well the dictionary, no 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 he knows he knows 
the, the diction here is fascinating because when he actually brings them out, the messenger put these aside and there to the wonder and dismay of all the captains. It's like when they first see them, I mean, they're just so shocked that the what this could mean doesn't register. Well, look, it says, right, a blackness came before their eyes, and it seemed to them in a moment of silence that the world stood still, but their hearts were dead and their last hope gone. And, right. it, well, and it, later on, the mouth says, uh, he saw their faces gray with fear and the yes. horror in their eyes, and he laughed. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> good, good, right? He was dear to you, I see, or else his errand was one. So he, the mouth of Soren nicely makes it aware that Saren doesn't know you, right? Yeah. Which is the only hope? Yeah, Mitch. I I think in the moment it would be really it, it takes a really uh, smart uh, captain of the West here to figure out that he, they don't have the ring, right? Because that's the obvious intention. You they're trying to right. they're trying to they're trying to trick them into giving up what was right. the errand or what was yeah. going on. Yeah. Or how important were they? And if they had the ring, I feel like they would say, yeah, we, oh, and, oh, you know what Sildur's being, yeah, we have it, like, it's right. really over. But they don't, but it, it would be very hard not to think that they do at this moment. I think yeah. it, the question is, does, does Gandalf, I, I think maybe well, Gandalf look, figures it out. Name the, look, listen, name the terms, said Gandalf steadily, but those nearby saw the anguish in his face, and now he seemed yeah. an old and wise man crushed defeated at the last. They did if not anyone figures out it's Gandalf, and I don't know, maybe he doesn't. Yeah. At least at this moment. Yeah, See, was... I think they know like, their Aaron was dear. I think at that moment, it would have been obvious that Sauron had the ring. Sauron would have come out himself, or it would have been like, we have the ring. So when they say that, I think they realize, okay, obviously he doesn't have the ring. We're not dead yet, so... I think we have a little bit of hope of having Frodo win. It might take it a few minutes to recognize, that's why they're like, name your terms, but I think they realize after, because, yeah, Sauron, why would he go and ask for this land and stuff, when if he had the ring, he could just claim it himself, in like, a second. Because well, he wants to punish them, which yeah, is what Sauron would do, right? It's torturing, death, yeah, right? Ring, right? But no, he doesn't, no, he no, doesn't, like, what is, what is, exactly, what does the Witch King say to Eowyn? Right? Not with death. He doesn't promise her death, That's right? Torturous. And Sauron wouldn't certainly wouldn't want to promise Aragorn or Gandalf death. He yeah. would wanna right. Yeah. So I you know, I could totally understand Sauron, even if he had the ring, playing the same game. Just just digging at them. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Ben? I think it is funny though, because like like you were saying, they think that Aragorn has the ring. Yep. Like Sauron and his stuff, they think Aragorn right. has the ring. And in this moment, Aragorn and Gandalf and all them think that Sauron has the yeah, ring. Yeah, right. It's and beautiful, it's like, really. Okay, well, one of us has the ring, so let's just bring it up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because well, either of you want to admit that you don't have it. Yeah. Oh, here, oh, oh yeah. Trying yeah. to fake it. Right. Except they have it, and but they think the other one has it. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah, Kara. Um, there's actually a subtle line here that indicates, like, I mean, there are other types of people taking it, but uh, it's Sam's sword, definitely. It's Frodo's. Hints, right? Yeah, he's always using singular. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it could be that, and maybe that's what gives Gandalf the. And they never knew that it was like 
Right. In the future, they never knew it was two hobbits. They no. it was like an elf. Right, an elf lord. lord. They thought it was an orphan. Yeah. yeah. One Should, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, okay. But but there is this moment where Gandalf, I mean, this is Gandalf's, right? This is his despair. Right? Yeah. And, and then, yeah, it could be that, that you know, the, the mouth of Sauron gives a little bit too much away, right? So Gandalf then says, okay, I mean, there's no internal thing happening, but his response seems to suggest that the plan is still to go, right? He rejects the terms, right? Yeah, Mitch? I think the, the turn happens where he's, Gandalf says, name the terms, and then everyone around him says that, or thinks they did not doubt that he would accept the terms. Mm-hmm. And then something happens in between that and when he says, uh, we reject your terms utterly. Right. Something important happens there, and I think it's that uh, he... He looks into the. He reads his mind, basically. Yeah. He, uh, like the the mouth goes and gives all his uh, hope for the future, mm-hmm. and the the terms are. Uh, I think he sees. He reads it uh, in the mouth of Sauron that they don't know as much as they are uh, displaying. Anyway. Well, you do have a similar thing, like Aragorn and the mouth have this visual, this this thing, and then yeah. it seemed then to Gandalf intent watching him as a man engaged in fencing with a deadly foe, that for the taking of a breath, the messenger was at a loss. Then he laughed again. And maybe that, you know, maybe that was the moment. And see, right? it's a good thing they're under Gandalf's command right now, because Gandalf, like, Gandalf almost steps back for a second and thinks about the situation, and since Gandalf is the one making decisions, and he can't exactly, like, turn to Aragorn and be like, oh yeah, we're good, he doesn't have it, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's a good thing the wiser one is doing. Yeah, Ben? Oh, uh, well, I think, like, just after the terms, it's kind of obvious that they know that you know, they don't have Frodo and Sam because when Gandalf's rejecting it, he says, where is this prayer? Right. He says it in the That's right. as well. That's yeah. right. He yes. knows that there's the two of them. Yeah. So, and he's so, not yeah. that. Huh? So he knows that, the, at this point, he knows that they don't have... Yeah, yeah. Bl- there's a bluff. Some kind of bluff is going on. Yeah. And, he's call- and Gandalf calls it. And again, not for the purpose of you know, for the purpose of that they can keep, that the plan can go ahead, which is to fight, right? I mean, like, you know, there, there's still no hope that somehow, you know, this is going to turn out differently than it was when they left, right? Yeah, the terms seem honestly more reasonable than I was expecting them to settle on. Yeah, actually, they, I mean, they really did. yeah. Well, they kind of suck, because for what? It's not bad. Right. No, no, yeah. it's just tyranny and it's tyranny. Yeah. overlord. And that's only the beginning. Right. I mean, yeah, that was, sure. that was, that was awful. East yeah. of the Anduin. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, it's just a back Now, am I wrong? So I remember somewhere, and someone can help me here. Remember when, in the voice of Sauron, um, Sauron is talking, 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 and then Gandalf laughs. Yeah. And I thought there was a laugh. I thought someone here, and not the mouth of Sauron. He does a lot of laughing. <laughs> but I thought there was this moment where so, where someone else kind of laughed. In the first chapter. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think he laughs during in the, face the journey of... to the coast where they take on the black ships. Gimli despairs and Legolas laughs. That's what it restores his spirit. Right. Yeah. It right. happened during yeah, the journey right. to the coast. That's what it was. For some reason, I was thinking. I thought, oh, that'd be great if it happened here. But no. There's no, this is there's no laughing matters here. And then Eowyn laughs at the witch king. Yeah, that's right. That's another one. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, I, at what point I want to talk about? We won't be. We don't have time today. Or Taryn and Alan laugh. Because Taryn, you mentioned weeks ago, the the idea of God in the machine. 
with the Eagles, and I would love to talk to him. The AFC might be Yeah. But is that, I don't think it's this, mo- like it is this moment, but. Well, I don't, I'm not, I would want to, that's what I mean. Thank you for joining us this week. Farewell. The Eagles are coming. The Eagles are coming. <laughs>